thread. A singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Hi, this is Chuck Quinley, and I'm back with another episode of Thread. And today I'm coming to you, this sort of an experimental way of doing it, um, just take the show with me on the road. So today I'm actually in a village. Uh, I'm in a mountain tribe village in a beautiful place called Doi Mesalong in northern Thailand, just off the border of Burma. And this is where hill tribe people live and large Akha settlements are all around me. I am, to describe where I'm at, I'm on the edge of a mountain. I'm sitting outside a on the porch of the house where we slept last night, and I've got a tea plantation that goes all the way around me. It's just an absolutely beautiful setting. Uh, it's about 9 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, and a pagoda on the hill, and the Buddhist uh, shrines are in the distance. So it's an interesting place to bring the broadcast, but with an interesting place comes a few extra challenges. You are going to be blessed today with the sounds of nature. You'll hear birds, and that's you know that's not sound effects. It's really birds. You may hear bees humming because they're doing. Uh, this is where a lot of honey is gathered, and so you got the bees everywhere. There's dogs running around and village people chatting, and so if you just hear some background noise, uh, just consider that extra. Um, also Sherry has promised to bring me some hot tea in a minute, so you just might hear her come through and I won't even stop. We'll just keep cruising. So today, this are, this is a really, uh, important section out of Mark chapter eight, uh, Mark chapter eight, we're going to be in verse 31. So if you don't have a Bible, run and get one and come right back. All right, let's start. Uh, let's just go ahead and read it. I'm going to read Mark 8, 31 through 33 from the New King James Version. It reads like this. And he, that's Jesus, began to teach that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. And then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he, this is Jesus again, when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Today, let's talk about the difference uh, in between thinking according to the Holy Spirit's revelation and thinking just with normal human intellect and dragging that into the kingdom of God and the way it it sometimes affects us um, because you know we're not just like the uh, the Rotary Club God bless the Rotary Club but Rotary Club is not a church and the church is not the Rotary Club and we're not also a social gathering and we're not just a a nonprofit organization to do good works um, the church is the vehicle through which God is bringing the kingdom of God to earth. It was born at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was being poured out and the gifts of the Spirit, languages from heaven as well as human languages for, um, you know, to, to announce to us, this is a movement religion. It's not a contemplative religion. 
Uh, it's not a religion that you can best live out in a monastery somewhere. From the very core and from the very first day, Christianity is about mission. And mission is about two kingdoms in conflict. There's a kingdom of darkness, and it seeks to enslave people and bring them into bondage to the powers of darkness. And then there's the kingdom of light that came through Christ. And Jesus came smuggling the kingdom in, in his body. And as a baby, it, it, it entered the world as he entered the world. And the kingdom began to move. And it was moving in his day. And John the Baptist was going around before Jesus began preaching, saying, it's almost here, it's almost here. And then Jesus picked up the message, it, it is here. And he began to preach the kingdom of God and teach it. And so this is a supernatural movement from the very beginning. It's not just a human association, although there is human government needed and there are cooperative arrangements and there's, you know, there's even legal structures that come around Christianity uh, as a, actually Christianity is the, the following of Christ plus culture. And that's where we, you know, it gets messed up sometimes, but that's for another day's topic. Uh, you know, we may need legal coverings for some of the things we do, but if we ever lose sight of the fact that at the core, this is a spiritual battle that's going on, and we are we are inside of God's forces, and that everything we do has to be led by the Holy Spirit, has to be instructed by God, and our role is to hear the voice of God and to obey the voice of God, and to live out the life that Jesus described and that he taught for his followers. Now, this passage that we're reading today comes right after the last lesson, which we called the hinge, which is uh, verses 27 to 30, and that is when, uh, as Jesus has been teaching, you know, for two years now, and he's teaching people how how they should be living, how you should live in the kingdom of God, what what God's dream is, regarding his kingdom and and he's rebuking those who are in charge of the worship of God in his generation who have twisted it and made it something to give themselves power over other people and something to give themselves money and uh, you know they had turned it into a business and he was he was at war with that and he was uh, resisting them even in public uh, but now he's changing the topic. You know, he, he asked Peter, he asked the whole disciples, who are the people saying I am? And he began to focus on who he is, who he is as a person and his primary mission, not just to be a teacher, but his primary mission of bringing atonement to the people of earth between the, you know, the, the enmity and the guilt between the people of earth who have allied themselves with the darkness and the almighty holy God. We have no fellowship with him. We have no grounds for fellowship. He can't just overlook what we do. We join the other side, and any sins have to be paid for. Somebody's got to pay for them. He can't just write them off. Uh, that would be unjust. And so Christ has come to pay the price for every one of our sins. And on the cross, he will become us, and there will be a great exchange. And he who never knew sin in his own life will actually be made into sin, according to Second uh, Corinthians. God will make him sin. He will be sin. And he will be sin for us so that we can become the righteousness of God through Christ.
And so he's focusing now the attention not on how people should live, but on who he is, because this is really, this is the center of Christian theology. We don't follow Jesus as a teacher only. We follow Jesus. We follow Jesus as Lord, as Almighty God, as the creator of the world, as the redeemer of all of our souls from hell. We believe that his blood and only his blood gives us standing with God. And as uh, one brother pointed out to me, if if a million years from today, with all God's people gathered around him in, in glory in heaven, if a million years from today, somehow the blood of Jesus lost its power, then we would be immediately separated from God and plunged into hell. We're only there because of this blood, this perfect, precious sacrifice. And we've been washed in that blood, and that blood makes us clean and whole and right with God. It's a grace religion. God gives us a salvation that we can't get for ourselves. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves or get ourselves saved. You have to receive the grace of God receive salvation. And so he's turning now. The topic is that. And uh, actually, if you want a lot on that subject, just read the Gospel of John, because John is not a historical gospel in the sense that the other uh, three are walking with Jesus through, you know, almost four years of his life. The Gospel of John is pretty much just about the last week of his life. Thank you very much, Sherry. Um, so. You know, Christ is turning the focus onto who he is and what his his mission is as the sacrificial lamb, the victim, uh, the lamb of God sent to take away the sins of the world. And he begins now, and he hasn't taught about this before. He's, his topics have been elsewhere, and it was too early to bring it up because people didn't even know him. But now he's had three years to prove himself. And through miracles and through discourses and through engaging in public debate. And he is now a national figure. And he says, now I need to tell you something else about me. You know, and in verse 27, he said, who do men say that I am? And he asked Peter, now who do you all say that I am? And Peter speaks up for the group and says, you are Messiah. And now Jesus begins to teach about Messiah. And take them to scriptures they had not looked at before. They thought of Messiah as a political uh, king, that he would come back, he would throw off Roman rule, the Jewish nation would rise again and become a strong independent people, they would have godly leadership, and uh, it would be a God-honoring nation once again. And they're expecting success, and everybody sees that this is, this is what Jesus is, this is what he's about. And he says, yeah, well, you got that. You know, that's all true. But let me talk to you about the suffering servant in Isaiah. Let me talk to you about all the other passages in the Old Testament that describe Messiah. And those descriptions are so radically different that some rabbis said there's two. There's two messiahs coming. One is a real successful messiah. And he's a, you know, a leader of armies and military. And then the other one is a, a suffering messiah he's the suffering servant the all the sins of the people are put on him he bears the weight of the world he is uh he's beaten for our sins he's wounded for for our iniquities you know the chastisement that brings us peace is laid on his body the you know the beatings 
So they, they saw them in Scripture, but they didn't connect them to the same individual. And Jesus begins to teach, not to the disciples only, he begins, verse 32, to teach openly in public that Son of Man, he, he wouldn't call himself Messiah or use any of the titles that they used because those titles had been loaded with baggage from other teachers and he, he could not take all those thoughts out of everybody's mind. So he chose another title, which really doesn't mean much, Son of Man. In Ezekiel, you'll see this uh, this title used, but it just means Son of a Man. So you can pack it with anything, but that was his word for Messiah. Son of Man must also, Son of Man must suffer. He must suffer many things. He will not be successful. He will be, verse 31, rejected, rejected by everyone in leadership in the nation, rejected by the elders, rejected by the chief priests, rejected by the scribes, more than rejected, he will be physically killed. He will be murdered. He will be slaughtered by these leaders. And after three days, he will come back to life and he will rise again. And in verse 32, he spoke this word openly. Now, Peter is very troubled by what he sees happening to Jesus. And so he rebukes Jesus. Uh, he takes him aside because he's respectful of his authority and he loves him. He doesn't want to embarrass him in public. But he pulls him aside and he rebukes him. And notice, Peter is rebuking Jesus in love. Peter does not display the heart of a person who wants... Uh, you know, who's looking for an angle and trying to find a way to do make more money for himself using Jesus. We don't see that. He's not in love with the idea of himself as a, you know, as a rich person in the government in uh, Jerusalem once Jesus takes over. Although they did all ask for positions there and were wondering what their roles would be. And uh, James and John's mother uh, actually, you know, had the, the gall to step forward and try to do a quick deal before anybody else got their roles assigned and get her sons the number one and number two positions. But, you know, in general, when you look at Peter, you have to say he did this in love, but he did this not from the Holy Spirit. He took it on himself to rebuke a spiritual authority. He took it on himself to rebuke Jesus, uh, not because the Holy Spirit told him to. It just came on him. And Jesus summarizes it and he says, you're just thinking like a man. You are, you're, you're allowing the way people always think to be applied to things of God. And God's ways don't always match human ways. So Peter's rebuking Jesus. Jesus turns and looks, verse 33, at the effect of Peter's actions on the other 11. He is weakening those people. He is weakening the men that have to stand up and lead, and Peter is taking the uh, the courage out of them. He's discouraging them, and he's also undermining Christ's authority. Uh, I don't know what all Peter said to Jesus. We could surmise it something like, Lord, you're talking like a crazy person, or Lord, you're off message. This is not what you've been talking about. This is going to confuse people, or Lord, you're going to lose the crowd if you don't stop talking like this, or Lord, cheer up. God's not going to let you fail. Come on, buddy. You know, don't, don't get your head down there. You got to believe God. I don't know what he said, but he was contradicting 
what the Holy Spirit had said in the scriptures, what the Holy Spirit had said to Jesus, and what God had told Jesus to share with the people. And Peter was stepping into that uh, because, you know, opinions are often like that. Peter's his friend, but he's blind to the work of God. He is blind to the work God is doing. He is blind to what God is about to do. And he's loving, but he's got an opinion. And his opinion is undermining the ability of Jesus to do what God wants him to do. And, you know, let me say two things about this. Um, well, let me just say one on this one topic. Uh, sometimes the ones who hold you back the most in your ministry love you the most. It's your mom, it's your dad, it's your aunt, your uncle, your sister, brother in the church. And what it is, is they see you about to pay a huge price for something that you can see. You know, you've, you get a vision for it. You're willing. I mean, I've known Christian brothers and sisters. I have good friends actually that we're, we're with right now because we're up here in the mountains to uh, lead students on a video shoot so they can learn to shoot documentaries uh, in these villages and tell the stories of what God's doing. Uh, but, you know, these friends, they they had a, a ministry that they're operating and they needed a new building and they couldn't find the money and they mortgaged their house. It was their, their only, their main asset. And they mortgaged their house to get the money to lay down on the building. And then it looked like the whole thing's going to collapse. The financing's going to collapse and they're going to actually lose, you know, their house that they've put up. That that was, a, that was at risk. And so people will see you do these things that the Holy Spirit urges you to do. And it's a, you're going to make a big, you're going to take a big cost and it could hurt you. Uh, you're going to leave your job. You're going to do something radical and they'll step in front of you and say, don't do it. You know, don't jump. Don't, don't take the leap. Don't jump into the darkness. Stay over here with the rest of us where it's safe. We're all huddled up. And we're making sure nobody does anything too crazy. And we're all just going to kind of hang here together and we'll get through this, okay, as long as nobody steps out of line. And they love you, but they're going to sometimes be the ones that keep you from doing what you're supposed to do. And Christ has already dealt with that with his own blood relatives. Uh, they, they say, oh, he's crazy. And they go to get him and kidnap him and take him back home because they say he's out of his mind. So. Uh, now, Jesus turns to Peter and he rebukes not just Peter, but the spirit motivating this uh, encounter. He says, get behind me, Satan. And I think that's the last thing he says to Satan. But then he turns and he speaks to Peter and he says, you're not mindful. Your mind is not full of things from God. You are full in your mind of things from man. You are fixed on human ways. You are fixed on the things of man. Uh, and, and this is good pastoral counsel. You got to lift people's vision above always the secure thing and always the safe and always the follow the crowd thing. And if you know, you're hearing the voice of God, uh, you need to obey the voice of God. That's, that's what this whole walk is about. Now, the second thing I started to say earlier that I need to say now is that when you have someone in your circle who is weakening other people with their words and their uh, their lack of faith and with always drawing back, you're going to have to address that. You can't let it keep happening. You have to you have to deal with that person because they are weakening other people. Even though it's with good intentions, they're weakening the others, and you've got to address it. And Christ does. He addresses them straight up. 
He doesn't uh, address him privately. He addresses him publicly in front of the twelve and says that the motivation that's inside of you right now, Peter, is not coming from God. You're just being a man and you're not seeing what God sees. You're not you're not in step with the Lord. Uh, So, you know, these are always the things when God's speaking to you, uh, a word that's going to cost you something. You're just going to have to pay the price. And sometimes that's a lonely place. Because even the ones that you trust to walk with you, maybe they don't see it. And I think that's why as much as you can, because none of us are the Messiah, and none of us are being called to lay down our bodies and save other people you know, through our blood, but we do have our own challenges, and we do have our own uh, times when God calls us to do something risky, even sometimes to lose. And to not win, to not immediately win, but just to lose because it was right and you chose the right side. And you're, it, as much as you can, you need to sell the, your reasoning to your inner circle. You know, they need to understand your actions. They need to see your motivations. But at the end of the day, they may not get on board with you because it's change and people don't like change and because it's risky and it costs something. People don't usually want to pay much of a price either. And so the leader just has to step out and do it alone and believe that others will follow. In Christ's case, it happened. His disciples ended up, they lined up, took time, but they lined up and they got behind him and they moved ahead and they brought us the church that we have today. So that's enough to think about for today. And we'll be back next time. If, um, if you want to check out our, um, personal site. That's quinley.com. You can always uh, email me from there or you can uh, check out our daily blog, uh, what's going on with us. Uh, There's also medialite.ning.com. And right now we've got that one set up and you can just walk through what's going on here uh, in Asia, in the Medialite School in Northern Thailand, as we've got students from five or six different countries And we're just all rolling together here in a leadership development program and spiritual development and also skills building so they can learn how to make uh, Christian media also to share the gospel with their people. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on Thread. Thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org.